0: This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. Answered prayers number three today. I hope you have enjoyed this series so far. I certainly have. I've gotten so much out of it, lessons that are really going to stick with me for a while. I've gotten so much out of the Bible plan, like Jason mentioned as well. I hope that you're joining in with us on that. It's so much fun to read the comments at the end, to see what God is teaching all of you. I'm so encouraged by every single one of those comments. I read them all, and I love them so much. So last week, we talked about Israel's prayers for a king, right? In our Answered Prayers sermon series, we talked about how Israel asked for something that God didn't agree with, and God granted their request, now, after a warning, he, he certainly warned them about getting everything that they were asking for. We, we explored the concept of prayer itself in that light, right? And how the point of prayer isn't just to get what you're asking for all of the time, every time, but to learn to trust God more fully. Such a good lesson to learn. The week before that, we talked about Moses warning the people. All right, looking at the promised land, it's been 40 years of, of wandering and complaining, and now we're looking at the promised land, and Moses is like, hang on, guys. Right, This is the time to be careful. Moving into the promised land, don't forget who gave it to you when you're in the promised land. All right? And so we've looked at things from a, a perspective of praying for what you want, looking at getting what you want. But this week, we're going to look at things from a little bit of a different point of view. We're going to look at what happens after you get what it is you think that you want. I worded that very specifically. What it is that you think you want. What happens after you actually get it. And the passage we're going to read today comes from the words of Jesus himself. And it's only one part of a larger teaching about lost things. If you're feeling lost today, go back and read the rest of Luke 15. You're not lost. God is a God of lost things. and He is the, the shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. All of these stories are in Luke 15. It's Jesus trying to communicate. You're not lost. God knows exactly where you are, and he loves you exactly where you are. But he's also calling you back to him. And so we're going to start today in Luke 15, verse 11. And I want to read this parable with you. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate before you die. The audacity of that sentence. I want my share of your estate before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. (coughs) I will go home to my father. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So, so, so much to talk about in this parable, but. Before we get into the rest of it, I have to go back to the beginning. All right? The, the very beginning, verse 12, when the younger son tells his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. I want my share. I want, I want. The audacity of that sentence. I mean, even in today's culture, we know that that's super disrespectful. Right? But even, I mean, back then, that that culture was everything. I mean, it would have been seen as such a sin, such a disrespect. And obviously, the younger son couldn't see that at the time, right? For some reason, he felt entitled to his share of his father's estate. We're not seeing things clearly when we're sinful, we don't see things clearly. Sometimes our prayers must feel like such a slap in the face to God. I now have to go back and wonder how many of my prayers felt like this to God, just entitled and so selfish. I recently began redefining sin just in my own devotional life, prayer life, in talking to God. I'm, I'm trying to think about it more as selfishness. Because sin holds this religious connotation to it, right? We think of sin as a very specific set of things, that these Ten Commandment things, and if we break them, that's sin, right? We attribute all kinds of other things that culture tells us is sin. But really, when you get down to it, sin is selfishness. Selfishness is sin, It's putting ourselves before God, elevating ourselves, our needs, our wants, our desires, our plans for our life above what God has for us. And it comes between us and God. Of course it does. We're not calling God God anymore. We're calling me God. Self. My selfishness comes before what he wants for me. We're not seeing things clearly. And we're like that. Sin clouds our judgment. And just like Israel and their king, right? We, as we learned about last week, Israel desperately wanted this king. And they couldn't see that by asking God for a human, flawed, imperfect king, they were rejecting God himself as their king. How can you reject a perfect creator God as your king? I mean, you couldn't have it better, but selfishness. We don't see things clearly. We can't see things clearly, and we're that selfish and sinful, so full of what we want. We can't see things clearly. God can change our perspectives if we allow him to, though. He can. This is what prayer is all about. As we learned last week, the point of prayer is more fully trusting him, understanding his perspectives, his mindsets. It's not just about getting what we want. All of the time. And this is another example of of pride hiding things from us. That that son must have felt so justified in asking. No shame in taking what his father built and what he felt entitled to. It's disgusting when you look at it from the outside. So, ugh. But I'm sure he couldn't see that at the time because we never can. Pride hides things. And it's important to stop those thoughts before they even occur. I believe prayer actually does this. It causes God to, to be able to speak back to us so he can change our perspectives, our mindsets. He does this so often. I've heard many stories over the past week alone from you all in this in this prayer Bible plan that we're doing together. Say, said, God, just change my perspective in a second. Just like that. I, I saw everything so differently. And my prayer life has completely changed because God just, He showed me what what I could never see before. I mean, it was right there. I just, I just couldn't see it. You do a 180 in your mind, it's complete turnaround. He removes the pride and suddenly we see so clearly. This is what prayer does aligns our thoughts and attitudes with His. And we have to remember that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts, higher than our thoughts. He can see so much further, so much more, so much more context than we could possibly ever see in prayer. At its core, must be the desire to tap into that. His thoughts, his ways, his mindsets. Not just to get what we want all the time, but really tap in to his Holy Spirit. How often do we actually pray that? Like God convicted me this week. How often do you pray for what you want versus praying, God, help me to see the situation the way that you see it. Change my mind. Change my perspective. Help me see the way you see. How often would that prayer change things for us? How often would it change what I'm even asking for? We see things now as through a glass, darkly. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and the NLT version says, now we see things imperfectly, like, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me Completely we have to acknowledge that we don't know it all. We can't, can't possibly see things clearly. Then we will. In eternity, we will. But we just don't today. And that's okay, because God does. Prayer causes us to lay down that pride. Ask God for his opinion on the matter, not just think we know it all so hard to see things clearly when you're sinful prodigal son learned that lesson the hard way but the good news is god will always rejoice when you come back he's always going to throw a party when you come back we're never so lost that god can't call us home we can't come home humble ourselves repent and come home look it takes humility to come back but it doesn't take courage you don't need courage to come back to God. You just need to humble yourself because you're not going to get punished. You're going to get celebrated. And when you can actually admit that you've done wrong. and you can actually come back and say, I have sinned against you. right? In a humble attitude, explain that to God. You'll find out that your father was already planning a party. He saw you coming a long way off, and he was already planning a party. I find it so amazing. In in this parable, Jesus told the father, for all he knew, his son was coming back to steal more money from him, right? He saw him a long way off. He didn't know why he was coming back. Could have been coming back to do more mean things. The father was happy either way because he was his son. We have to start seeing ourselves as sons and daughters of our creator God. Understand his love for us from that perspective. He loves us unconditionally, no matter what. He's just so glad that you've come home. This is why there should be no fear in confession. Telling each other what we're struggling with, where we're vulnerable. It should be freeing, not fearful. God's not going to punish you. He's going to celebrate that you're home. But the problem lies in the fact that we're not always the father in this story. And we're not always the son, the prodigal son that ran away either. See, I think most of us put ourselves in the position of... The prodigal son, we're, we're in his shoes, right? We're the one coming home, and we're so grateful for this story, telling us the good news that God is, is happy when we come home. We're relieved. God still wants us in his home. But the problem is we're not always that son. In fact, we're often the jealous son. The jealous brother. Jealous, entitled, and, and angry when the prodigal son comes home. I see, we don't always have the guts to be the prodigal. And this is something that I sort of felt like an epiphany this week, God revealing this to me. We don't always have the guts to be the prodigal. We don't always have the guts to do what we want to do, what we wish we could do. We We're a little jealous of the prodigal running off into the sunset, living out his wildest fantasies because... It's what we want deep down inside. What holds us back is maybe the hurt that it will cause other people or maybe we're just so scared to let other people down, but we still wish we could. Not having the guts to do it doesn't make you more righteous. It just makes you a coward. I feel like this is for somebody today. We all have a sin problem every single one of us even those of us still on dad's farm are right? still in the church but if you're honest with yourself truly examine your heart is it righteousness that's keeping you home or is it just good old fashioned pride and fear and here's how you'll know if your heart isn't right you're jealous If your heart is right, you'll be there, right there, alongside the Father, looking at the horizon, praying your brother or sister home. You'll be singing the loudest, dancing like nobody's watching at that party when your brother or sister comes home because your heart is in the right place. Stay just because it's the right thing to do, but actually get your heart right. This is why the world has a problem with church sometimes. We're judgmental to sinners. We're unkind to sinners. We think we're better than them because we're here. We're in the church. We're we're active. We're involved. We're we're doing the right thing. We listen to a sermon and a, a podcast every week. They were better, right? The thing about this passage is it was actually Jesus addressing Pharisees, judging. The Pharisees were judging Jesus for hanging out with sinners. And Jesus told them this story. Trying to point out that, of course, you're going to feel justified in your anger outside that tent pouting and annoyed. How dare the Father let them home? I've been doing all the right things, this whole time. I've been following the law. I, I've been denying myself things that I want. We forget that we're sinners too. But yes, you're in the Father's house. Yes, you're you're serving it and doing chores and, and being a good little boy or girl. But being jealous of the partying brother just shows you were only in it for yourself in the first place. Our hearts are selfish. Beware of Christians like that. They aren't who they say they are. And more often it's us. Beware of yourself when you're like that. You're not who you think you are. And we're seeing a lot of Christians right now who aren't who they say they are. A lot of professed Jesus followers that would rather sit back and and judge and be jealous of sinners and how they get forgiven and how they get to come into a party We would rather be like the prophet Jonah. sitting up on a hill overlooking a city, mad at God for how he forgives the sinners, mad at God for how merciful he is. We we would rather see the world punished than be blessed for something they didn't have to work for. The more I think about it, the more I see Jonah's feelings the more I see that the jealous brother's feelings as uh, like a laziness, even more than jealousy, or maybe it's a a laziness underneath the jealousy. They were annoyed because they were the ones doing the work while someone else got the blessing. And not realizing that the, the blessing that they were going to get was going to be one forever, for eternity, not necessarily just here and now. Jonah brought an entire city to God with one really awful sermon. (laughs) It's like an evangelist's dream. A a pastor's dream to be that effective. And this brother, the jealous brother, he would ultimately get the entire estate. Everything the father had was his. The land, the, the fields, the legacy for his children. Everything the father had. Was his for the rest of his life and his children's life and theirs after that. And yet he was annoyed about a party? One night? One calf? You own all the calves you can see in the fields and you're annoyed about this one. We're not seeing things clearly, guys. We're not seeing the eternal picture. The things we pray for affect us here and now, but we could be focused on so much more. The brother missed the point. The prodigal brother, his brother was home. He was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. The point today is just like the point then. Let's focus on souls Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on what will matter for eternity. Let's focus on him who is able to do exceedingly more than we might ask or think. Let's focus on the big plan, the eternal plan. Yes, God wants to bless you. Absolutely, he does. Yes, he will reward you for your efforts. It may not look like what you think it will, It may not be riding off into the sunset and and living out every selfish desire. But he will reward you because he is a fair and just God. That's who he is. He gives his children good gifts because he is a good father. It's not so much about what you've done. It's about what he's done. About what Jesus has already sacrificed for you. Matthew 6 says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And He will give you everything you need some of us are prodigals some of us are jealous but it's all selfishness the jealous brother was really no better in the end than the prodigal it's all selfishness the father gave even when it was so out of line it felt so unnecessary to our natural mindset for him to give that money he could have said no But he gave, and he forgave, even when that was out of line. To again, to our natural way of thinking, it didn't seem right to forgive that son. That's reckless love. The Father, our heavenly Father, has this love that doesn't think of itself. He doesn't try to protect himself. He doesn't withhold for himself. He has a love that sees the bigger picture. And it's time for us to love like that. Is the world changing right now? All around us? Yeah. It's changed before. God is still on the throne. He's still loving each and every one of us just like this. And right now, we don't need more jealous brothers. We need more of the Father's heart. We need more people willing to to look at the horizon and pray our brothers and sisters home, anxiously awaiting their return, not in the fields working, but mad about it. It's not helpful. There's so much hate going around right now. We can't even rejoice in each other's wins anymore. We just can't bring ourselves to just be happy for each other. Let's pray for souls this year. Focus ourselves on souls this year. Let's pray that the lost find home again. That the light of Jesus would shine brighter than ever. That our message would be one of love and peace and good news. That's the Father's heart. Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I've had this word on my heart since last night. Your joy isn't found out there somewhere. That the prodigal went looking out there. There must be something more out there. I need, I need everything now. Everything I'm owed. I need it now, so I can go and find it. But your joy isn't out there somewhere. You're not just biding your time, waiting for your next relationship, or your next job, or, or your next financial windfall. Your joy is already in here. It's Jesus within you. You've already got it. You're walking around with it. You might be choosing to put your basket over the light right now. Why? Your joy is in here. Your connection to your Father is your joy. And that's already within you. Look, I've felt lost a, a lot lately too. i not... Like I'm searching for truth or, or anything like that. Just like, like, I don't know where I'm going half the time. Right, This year has been crazy. I, I don't know what to plan. I don't know where to go next, what to do. I feel like I used to have this path laid out for me. Right? It was very clear where I was going because I laid it out. And now I, I can't see the path anymore. Like I have this swirling cloud of storm around me and I can't see, I can see the ground where I'm walking, but I can't see two steps ahead of me. I got, I got one step. <laughs> I can't see any further. Can't tell if I'm going north or south or east or west. Can't get my bearings. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit has his bearings. Holy Spirit will never lose his bearings. The Holy Spirit's, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts higher than my thoughts. He can not only see me in the middle of the storm. He can see the extent of the storm. He can see the landform that I'm in. He, He sees the whole plan. He's got the map. All I have to do is listen to his voice. He can see. And he calls me one step at a time. Sometimes he gives me a vision of, of what's coming, the future sometimes all I get is one step. One step ahead. So in this season, I'm not learning to trust my own path. I'm learning to trust his voice. One step at a time. And maybe that's good. Maybe the path I had laid out for myself wasn't such a good idea anyway. Because getting what I want all of the time isn't always the best thing for me. There is always joy to be found in this life with Jesus. Like God will turn things into good for those that love him. He will. That's a promise. And we don't have to go off looking for that thing that's going to fulfill us. Looking for that thing that's going to bring us joy like the prodigal brother. And we don't have to be jealous of anyone else's parties either. Like the jealous brother. Everything we need can be found in Jesus if he never answers another prayer for you, he's already given you enough. You are in his house. You are his son or daughter. You have an inheritance in eternity. You are free. He's already given you enough. Father, I pray today that you would Reveal yourself to us. And maybe today we are the prodigal son. We feel like we've run far away. We, we have gone after things that aren't good for us. We're looking for joy, for peace, for hope in all the wrong places. And we're failing miserably. Starving. Cold. Alone no shoes on our feet and we're stuck God but we know now that we can always come home God help us humble ourselves repent come home and say God I've sinned and I'm sorry thank you God for being the kind of father that always welcomes us home or maybe some of us today were are the jealous brother help us to not be outside that tent pouting and angry and entitled because we've been doing all of the right things. It was never about doing all of the right things. It's about having the Father's heart, understanding his love for us. God, infuse us with that love. Help us see things the way that you see them. Break our heart for what breaks yours. And let us have joy in your house. That we, can, we would be able to enter into that party. That we'd be the ones singing the loudest. Dancing the hardest. So happy for our brothers and sisters that have come home. Not outside judging them and angry. God, humble us. Help us pray the right prayers. Think the right thoughts. Your thoughts. God, take my thoughts, my mindsets, my attitudes, my opinions. I don't need them. Give me yours instead. Humble my heart before you. Help me think like you think, God. Answer my prayers, but more than that, help my prayers line up with you, with your word, with your love that I would begin to love you and love people in the way you've called me to. As a vibrant, passionate, selfless part of Freedom Valley Church, help me to, to change the world with the message of the gospel. Thank you that it is good news and I can rejoice in your household. Thank you that you are the kind of God that throws parties for us. We're not always mourning, afraid, Fearful for what the future holds. That we can celebrate together. Throw parties together. Enjoy your presence. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, FB Church. I hope that you'll take this word with you. That you'll join us in the prayer Bible plan. But more than that, that you're... You're not just checking off boxes, that you're actually understanding what prayer means, how to tap in to his presence. Today, I'm gonna do something. I haven't prepped the team for this. I just feel led to not end service today with my own prayer, but to encourage you to pray your own, out loud, wherever you are right now, that you would just bow your head Humble yourself before God. Have an honest conversation with God. Maybe some of you today are, are you know, saying, I'm the prodigal, I have been off for a while and I want to come home. Maybe some of you are saying, I just I know I need to humble myself. I know I need to let go of some anger, some judgment, some pride. We're gonna give you a moment to do that today. Don't forget to go on the app and look at all of the events. Give your gifts online. Do all of that. But right now, before you leave this moment, I'm just going to ask the team to continue playing the music. Just hold on to the stream for just another moment. Just humble yourself before God. Have an honest conversation with him. Repent. And then party. (laughs) Join the party. Put on the joy that only God has given you. Walk out of this service today with joy, celebrating the fact that God welcomes you home. He wants you in his house, having fun with him. That's the point of prayer. I'll be praying for you as you pray now. you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to imn. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.